what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast. Oh my goodness, we are almost at 200 episodes. Can you believe it? Absolutely insane. You're going to see too that our cover image got an upgrade. So to celebrate, definitely updating some things and you can expect some new things to come on the podcast. So if you have subscribed and haven't gotten your free gift yet, make sure that you go to julianapage.com slash podcasts, julianapage.com slash podcasts. And if you have yet to subscribe, go ahead and do so. Give the podcast a rating, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and then go visit julianapage.com slash podcasts and claim your free gift. julianapage.com is also a great place to get plugged into private coaching with myself, and you can also get plugged into group coaching as well. So there's a lot available to you over there, whether you want to explore the books or start doing a deep dive into doing your inner work, julianapage.com is the place to visit. All right, so today we're going to talk about soul awareness. Now off the bat, your head is probably thinking, well, wait a minute, is that the same as self-awareness? Well, good question. Self-awareness is actually the ability to focus on yourself and how your actions, thoughts, or emotions do or do not align with your internal standards. So this could even be your ability to distinguish your own beliefs from the beliefs of others. You can really step back and ask yourself, am I being true to myself at this moment or no? Am I out of integrity? if you will. So practicing self-awareness is about learning how to better understand why you feel what you feel and why you're behaving in a particular way. And having this awareness gives you the opportunity and freedom to change things about yourself, which would enable you to create the life that you want. Soul awareness, on the other hand, is a little bit deeper, (laughs) especially if you identify as a follower of of Christ, as a faith walker, as a believer, and you want to be bolder in your faith, it's really important to develop soul awareness. And your soul, according to the word, is comprised of your mind. Yes, what's going on in your mind. And do you have the mind of Christ, right? We can have all sorts of things going on in our mind, but do we have the mind of Christ and are we activating that? It's also your emotions. I call this quite literally the energy that you are putting into motion. 
and we really increase momentum on this, the more airtime <laughs> we give to our emotions, the more we focus on how we feel, the more energy we put behind our emotion. Okay, and this can go in a positive or a negative direction. And then also your soul is your mind, your emotions, and it's also your will. And your will is your willpower. This is your authority. This is your empowerment. This is your ability to make sound decisions, to be consistent, to exercise the fruit of the spirit, to exercise self-control. Okay, so soul awareness is having a deep awareness of what is happening in your soul. It's not just how your actions are impacting other people, but it's being able to use wisdom and discernment about what is going on to discern things spiritually, right? So for example, if your mind is flooded with all sorts of anxiety and fear and doubt and insecurity, when you are tapping into a soul awareness perspective, this isn't just like, I'm in a bad mood, I'm having a bad day, which could be self-awareness. This is, oh, this could actually be an attack on my mind of some kind because this is what's coming up. Or the enemy is trying to stall me or distract me or hold me back from pursuing this thing that I just committed to right? There, there is a battle going on because of what's at stake, because of what you could potentially step into, okay? You might also be feeling all sorts of emotions because it could be a test. Are you going to make your emotions truth or are you going to lean in and really study and declare the word over your life to speak to the mountains and tell them to be moved, right? Or what are you going to use your willpower to do? Are you just going to take and partner with all of these thoughts going on in your mind? Are you just going to give yourself space to have a pity party? Or are you going to rise up and start activating and using the tools that you have, okay? So what I thought I might do is just give you that distinction today. There's, there's a deeper level. Self-awareness is a great starting place, but soul awareness is really when you're starting to tap into your spiritual senses. So just like you have physical senses like seeing, smelling, taste, touch, right? You also have spiritual sensing and, and spiritual receptors, meaning you can receive a lot of information from God when you start paying attention. That's why there's the scripture that says, be still and know. A lot of times we are just so busy doing, 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 going, 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 because we're running, okay? That's actually rooted in fear oftentimes. But often we stay so busy because we don't want to feel. We don't want to reflect. We don't want to think about what we're thinking about, right? We just want to burn through it all, okay? But that's not how real and lasting change happens. And if you truly want change, you'll slow down for it. That's a word for somebody. Okay, so... What I thought I might go into just as a distinguisher on soul awareness was to give you perspective about the mind of Christ, because when I first learned this, it was mind blowing. Okay. Often when you walk with God, there's many mind blowing moments <laughs> and they just keep getting better. But this was mind blowing because, and I know many do this, we, we have a tendency to think that whatever is going on in our mind, that we are our thoughts, but we are not our thoughts. We are the thinker of our thoughts. 
okay? And we get to decide what is going to rule in our mind. Are we going to partner with the mind of Christ and take thoughts captive, cast down every thought that's exalting itself above the truth? That is not a lazy action. That is something to be diligent about, okay? So for example, it's one thing to have the awareness that something's up, that your mind is not representing and reflecting the mind of Christ. And then there's the follow through. Okay, if that's happening, what am I going to do about it? This is an invitation for me to do something, not just sit and take this and be bullied by my mind, right? But to actually rise up and do something about it. So I'm going to give you some perspective and context specifically with this area and how to do that. Now, I will say with your emotions, there are many ways to to dive into how to feel them and process them. And this is super important because what we resist persists. What we resist persists. So if you are unwilling to feel something, you will feel more of it. Okay? So if you just keep pushing it down, it is still there. You did not feel it. You did not process it. You did not release it. You did not learn from it. So it's still there and it's still going to come up. Okay, so having a healthy way to process emotion is very important. And these are all tools, your mind, your emotions, your will. These are all tools to help you fully express yourself and to also help you manifest the promises of God in your life, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory, okay? So the more you can partner and align with Christ, God's vibes matter, divine alignment, right? The more you can do that, the more you can manifest heaven on earth, okay? So just for today, though, the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Amen. Thank you, God, that we are not dependent on our own mind, on our own thinking faculty, but that we have your mind and we can align and think your thoughts. So powerful, okay? So here's the thing, and I know that I self-helped my way through life, as long as I could, until I really couldn't do it anymore, right? Read all the books, went to the conferences, found the mentors, all the things, right? And then there was a season where I literally was led to only read the Bible and to develop a relationship with God and literally get rid of all the books and just focus on that book, okay? So here's the thing. You can make a firm decision to choose right thoughts, right? But it's important to distinguish what's right according to God, because there's certainly many types of thoughts that probably would have been unthinkable to Jesus when he was on earth. And if we want to follow in his footsteps, then we must begin to think like he did. He wasn't messy. He was very strategic and very intentional. So right away, you're probably thinking, "Mm, great, that's impossible, (laughs) right? Like Jesus was perfect. How am I ever going to think like he did, though, right? But the word of God tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And with the mind of Christ, you get a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel 36 puts it this way. 
a new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall heed my ordinances and do them. So I don't know about you, but I was not heeding God's ordinances and following them when I didn't have his heart, right? And I couldn't really discern the leadership of the Holy Spirit when I didn't have a relationship with God, when I wasn't surrendered to Christ. There was no way. I needed a new heart, okay? So we have a nature which is actually the nature of God deposited in us when we became a born-again believer, Okay, and we can see from this scripture that God knew if we were to heed his ordinances, obey his word, walk in wisdom, walk in his statutes, that he would have to give us his spirit and a new heart and a new mind. We could not do it in our human nature, in the flesh, as the word calls it, right? Romans 8, 6 speaks of the mind of the flesh and tells us that death is the result of following the mind of the flesh and life is the result of following the mind of the spirit. So this, you know, even as a beginner verse, is everything. Holy cow, right? Or I like to say, hola Moses, right? (laughs) You can distinguish very early on in your journey of building a relationship with God how much you rely and lean on your own understanding and how you are beginning to be led by the spirit. And that distinction in the beginning is very revealing and very telling of how you are being led, what you're motivated by, what you prioritize in your life. And we all would make tremendous progress simply by learning how to discern life and death. Literally, that could just be in the very beginning of your relationship with God or even a refresher for you right now. Is this bringing life or is this bringing death? right? Am I going to give more airtime to this if this is literally causing death? Is this worth giving words to and giving life to? Is this worth even expressing, right? Not everything needs to be said. And just because you feel it doesn't mean that it needs to be fully expressed. You can absolutely acknowledge it, but understand what's going on behind it. So if something's ministering death to you, don't do it. Don't do it anymore, right? When certain lines of thought fill you full of death, which is every kind of misery, okay? It's literally catabolic, destructive, tearing down, bullying you, okay? You know immediately that is not the mind of the spirit. It's not ushering life. It's not bringing a refreshing. It's not uplifting you. It's not making your baby leap, so to speak, metaphorically, right? It's not encouraging you and building you up, if it is tearing you down, that is not the mind of the spirit. And that is not what you what you want to rehearse, practice, or get really good at. Okay? So to illustrate, let's say that I'm thinking about an injustice I suffered because of another person, and I start to get angry about it. I start thinking about how much I dislike that person. And if I'm discerning, I will notice from my soul awareness, right, that I'm being filled with death the more I focus on that. I'm getting upset. I'm getting tense. I'm getting stressed out. I may even be experiencing physical discomfort. So things that might start happening are headache, stomach pain, fatigue, right? All of those things are the fruit of wrong thinking in this instance. On the other hand, 
if I'm thinking about how blessed I am and how good God has been to me, I will also discern that I'm being filled with life. I will literally feel energy, a divine enablement, grace start to kick in because I'm activating it, okay? So if you're new, a a way to see this process flow, right, is that when I'm thinking something, I start to activate emotion, okay? And when I start to feel that emotion, I then start to behave some kind of way, okay? So a mind that is submitted to the mind of Christ activates certain emotions, usually the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy, right? And then I can live and behave out of that, okay? So it's very helpful as a believer to learn to discern life and death within yourself, all right? Now, if your mission is anything like mine, where you want to master in love, right? And you want to keep your love on, especially when it's easiest not to, because <laughs> you're training, right, to grow in Christ's image and likeness. If you really want to master that, discernment is key here. Wisdom, discernment, knowledge, understanding of God and what he desires and what his heart is, right? You can really distinguish very early on and make some distinctions about when you are partnering with life and when you are partnering with death. That soul awareness alone is such powerful information to help you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It gives you information, very powerful intel to take to God, okay, and to renew your mind in these areas that are being exposed, all right? So I'm going to give you a couple of steps and things that you can follow to really lean into this, okay? I'm not going to leave you hanging here, but this is a deep work. I also recommend coaching, honestly, right? This isn't necessarily about therapy and going into your past so much. This is about, this is coming up now, this is present now, and it's going to block me from my future, and I need to partner with somebody to close that gap. It's not going to be doubt. It's not going to be fear. It's not going to be anxiety. It's not going to be distractions. It's not going to be my lack of focus or discipline that's going to hold me back from my destiny. Amen. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be courageous. And I'm going to invest in myself and my development. And coaching is absolutely a vehicle to do that. Okay. So again, visit julianapage.com for resources to help you with that. So step one, think positive thoughts. Now, this sounds very Peter Pan-like, right? (laughs) We'll just start levitating and flying as we think positive thoughts, but sort of, right? Like, there is some truth to that where you do get uplifted, right? Where you literally rise up, you get an energy, you activate new life in you, okay? So Amos 3.3 says, Do two walk together except they make an appointment and have agreed? Okay, so if a person is thinking according to the mind of Christ, what might their thoughts be like? They will be positive, right? So think about that. When you are thinking with the mind of Christ, it, it, it's activating the kingdom, okay? God is positive, and if you want to flow with him, we've got to get on the same wavelength, the same frequency. This is why I preach all day divine alignment. God's vibes matter. What is the mind of Christ? How do I know that by personal experience? How do I discern if I'm partnering with that or not? How do I feel, right, when I'm aligned with God? 
What am I able to express, right? What's activated in me when I'm aligning with God? This is something that you go through a process and you grow through a process of transformation with God to really start doing this in every season, right? You go to deeper and deeper levels of maturity and spiritual leadership, okay? So this isn't about exercising self-help and mind control, okay? Because if we were trying to control our thoughts, we would have by now. Let's be real, right? But this is having the right attitude and outlook about life, okay? So this is about consistent maintenance of positive thinking and expectation and engaging in positive conversation. So Jesus, for example, the model here, certainly displayed a positive outlook and attitude. He endured many difficulties, if you've read the word, right, including personal attacks, being lied about, being deserted by his disciples when he needed them the most, being made fun of, being lonely, misunderstood, and a host of other discouraging things, okay? Yet... In the midst of all of the negative, he remained positive. He was stable, secure, confident. That doesn't mean that he didn't express emotion and have moments. Those were also written and recorded, right? But he always had an uplifting comment, an encouraging word, and he always gave hope to all those he came near. That is not random. That is a practice. That is a standard. That is a commitment. I'm not going to be wishy-washy. I'm not going to be wavering. I'm not going to be taken over and consumed by what's happening, but I'm going to be the resistance. I'm going to push back against the darkness by turning on the light, okay? (laughs) So the mind of Christ in us is positive. Therefore, anytime we become negative, we are not operating in the mind of Christ. We're not. Discouragement, depression, and despair, right? Getting caught up in impossibilities. This is not hashtag mood of God, right? (laughs) This is what actually starts to weigh us down. And according to Psalm 3.3, God is our glory and the lifter of our heads. He wants to lift everything. Our hopes, our attitudes, our moods, our heads, our hands, our heart, our whole life. He is our divine lifter. Lift up your head, right? Look up to God. That's what we're always told. God wants to lift us up. The devil wants to press us down, okay? So whenever you're depressed or in lower spirits, think about that. Depressed is sunk below, sunk below. It means to sink, to press down, or hold below ground level. Okay, so we regularly have the opportunity to think negative thoughts, but they will only press us down further. And being negative, if you've noticed, won't solve our problems. It will only add to them. Think about this relationally. Okay, (laughs) a great practice to take into your relationships is not to speak when you are in a negative or depressed state not to engage in discussions that are going to go nowhere when you are in this state and to have a pause or to have a a word to get everybody on the same page so you can take some space before you go back and engage in conversation, okay? All right, so depression oppresses a person's spiritual freedom and power, all right? So a couple of things with depression. 
One, identify the nature and cause of the problem. What is the reason that your soul is feeling persecuted? Okay. Maybe it is that you're dwelling in dark places in your mind. What we think about, we feel about. Okay. Number two, recognize that depression steals life and light. Okay. Therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed and fates within me? Right? Psalm 143. Depression, again, oppresses a person's spiritual freedom and power. Remember the good times. Number three, I remember the days of old. I will meditate on all your doings. I ponder the work of your hands. Number four, praise the Lord in the midst of the problem. I spread forth my hands to you. My soul thirsts after you like a thirsty land. Right? And ask God for help. (laughs) We use this as our last resort, but it should absolutely be your first resort, in my opinion. Ask God for help. Answer me speedily, O Lord, for my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I become like those who go down in the pit. Okay? (laughs) Cry out to him. Number six, listen to the Lord. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. For on you do I lean and on you do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my inner self, my soul, right, to you. Pray for deliverance. Number seven, deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee to you to hide me. It's only God often that can really help us and bring us the soul peace that we're craving, okay? And number eight, seek God's wisdom, knowledge, and leadership. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me into a level country and into the land of uprightness, okay? So often when we're reading the Psalms, right, it's, it's allowing us to be human, And what we see often when depression strikes is that we've gotten out of the will of God and opened the door for the attack on our soul, right? You can see in the Psalms how that is true, but then David wants to get back into alignment with God. He realizes that that's the only safe place to be. So if you watch, it's almost like a mental breakdown sort of. It's like, oh God, right? And he just lets it all out. And then he's like, but I praise you. And he like never ends on a bad note. He just, he moves through the emotion. He allows himself to feel it and, and question and whatever's coming up. But he moves through it and gets his focus back on God and aligning on God's will. Okay, then he requires and requests that God help him to be stable. And this is the lead me into level country part. It's referring to this unsettled state that we're in. We want to be level, not up and down. And we can ask for God's help on that. Okay, so huge, huge, huge. I just wanted to like go into that with depression. I don't want to minimize that by any means, but huge, huge, huge. Don't just sit and take it, but pay attention. Okay. So when it comes to the mind of Christ, we talked about step one, think positive thoughts. And then I gave some strategies strictly for depression. Step two, be God-minded. Be God-minded. That's another way of saying having the mind of Christ. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you, 
okay? So whenever I find myself in future tripping, in anxiety, in doubt, in fear, in unbelief, in restlessness, this verse is a self-check, right? Am I committing myself to God? Am I leaning on God? Am I hoping confidently in God? No, no, no. (laughs) Obviously, right? So this is my action then to do those three things, to repent, to recommit, to refocus, to realign, and then take action from that place. And we do this from continual fellowship with God. It's impossible to have full fellowship with anybody without having your mind on that person. Okay, so if you have a partner, right, and they're talking to you, but their mind is on something else, you're not really fellowshipping because you're not giving them full attention and full presence, okay? So it's the same thing with God. If we're not giving God our full attention, our full presence, our full investment, we're not going to receive from him either, okay? How do you do that? Being God-minded means that you're meditating on God and his works. I will meditate upon all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. I will meditate on your precepts and have respect to your ways, the paths of life marked out by your law. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I ponder the work of your hands. Okay, so David spoke frequently about meditating on God, his goodness and his works and his ways. And it is tremendously uplifting to think on the goodness of God and all the marvelous works of his hands. It literally shifts you from self-focus, okay, and self-centeredness to God-focus and to God-centeredness, okay? Meditating on God and his ways and his works will need to become a regular part of your thought life if you want to experience victory consistently. If you want to move from strength to strength and glory to glory, that's not just a promise that is automatically true. That is something that is practiced. That is something that's developed. That's something that's received. Okay. It's not just like, here you go. It's there. There's a condition here to activate that. Okay. So I will say, We can spend a lot of unhappy days and in lots of gross funks, right? If we start thinking about all the wrong things from the minute we wake up, okay? But we can be much more satisfied and fulfilled when we reach out to the Holy Spirit and ask for help to operate out of the mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit that is within us and replacing the venting, the numbing behaviors, whatever that is for you, with fellowshipping with God could be the best thing that you ever do, (laughs) okay? So all of your quote-unquote bad habits, just to start replacing that with fellowship with God. When you're in your car, fellowship with God instead of listening to you know, music that just gets you hype and maybe increases your anger and your agitation, When you come home, rather than Netflix and chill or just consuming news, turn off the TV, go into your secret place, journal, actually intentionally connect with God. First thing when you wake up, rather than murmuring, complaining, venting, thinking about your to-do list, spend time with God, right? Start replacing your bad habits with fellowship and watch what happens, okay? Number three, be God loves me minded. (laughs) Be God loves me minded. 
and we know, understand, recognize, and are conscious of by observation and by experience and believe, adhere to, and put faith in and rely on the love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. Amen. This gives me so much hope. That's 1 John 4.16. So, so, so big. This God love is real love. And, and that is true of what you experience in God's presence. You encounter real love. But if we never meditate on God's love for us, not only will we not experience it, we won't receive the fullness of it. And that's not then what we can give to ourselves or other people. Okay, so it's very, very, very important to think about that. What is it about receiving God's love that will radically change your life? We are all in desperate need of it. Okay, and so if you're led, 1 John 4, 16 is a great verse to start becoming conscious of God's love. This in life is something that we need to be actively aware of because otherwise we can quickly become out of balance expecting other people to play God in our lives. And that's really the root of codependency, of people pleasing, of tending to other people before yourself. That's usually coming from the need to get love, the need to get affirmation outside of you rather than connecting and being aware of God's love that is always available to you and pouring out to you, okay? So I definitely have had an unconscious, vague sort of understanding that God loved me, but the love of God is meant to be a powerful force in our lives and one that will take us through even the most difficult trials into victory, okay? And it really is what shifts us from an orphan spirit and sort of, you know, being an abandoned, lonely, wandering soul in the world to being a child of God, a son or daughter of God. Two very different identities to operate from, okay? Romans 8.35, the Apostle Paul exhorts us, Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? Then in verse 37, he goes on to say, Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. Okay, so if you actually catch the revelation from this word, so, so powerful. Because what this does is it's a prophecy. It's a prophetic word. It gives you a vision. Oh, I don't have to be conquered and consumed by what is happening. I have this hope that amid what is happening in my life, I am more than a conqueror. And I have victory here because God loves me. And I'm God loves me minded. (laughs) Okay? And this might be something that you need to study for a long time, but it does start to activate vision and hope for you, okay? And as love can become so real to you that even in hard times, you can be conscious knowing this love and that you don't have to live in fear because you are loved, okay? A lot of times we live in fear because we don't believe that we are loved, that we are supported, that we are cared for, that we're being led, that we're being guided, that we're covered, that we're protected. We don't believe that. So we live in fear. 
and we try to handle everything on our own. But the more you receive God's love, the more he squashes the lies that would say otherwise, okay? And the more you're able to fear not because there's no fear in love, but perfect love, receiving God's love is what actually casts out the fear in your life. So powerful. Okay. So, so powerful. Now, another piece of this too, to be God loves me minded, this also means to be righteous conscious, not sin conscious. So a lot of times when we see people caught up in religion and rules and earning approval, even from God, right? They're caught up in sin consciousness, not righteous consciousness, okay? So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness, okay? So we don't need to be tormented by negative thinking about ourselves and bully ourselves, right? Because God is not displeased with us. We don't have to think about how terrible we are. We can just receive God's goodness, God's righteousness. We don't have to earn that, okay? And you can ask God, God, give me a greater revelation, of your love that I might be righteous conscious, not sin conscious. Okay. Number four, have an exhortative mind. He who exhorts encourages to his exhortation. So I have a community that you can join. It's called Courage Co. There is a monthly masterclass membership, and there's also an annual God's Vibes Matter, God's Vibes Masterminds membership. So you can find that over at courageco.org. If you're following me on social media, the links are there as well. But exhortation means to encourage. Encourage is boldness in the strength of fear. And to encourage means to literally pour courage into. And this is what I do for a living. I pour courage into people for a living that they might live their most bold and impactful story. That they might be the hero of their story. I see all of my clients as heroes of their own story. I happen to be a guide on the side, but they are the heroes. And whatever problem they have, whether that's a relational problem, whether that is a personal self self-hatred even, self-sabotage problem, whether that is a business problem, right? Whatever it might be, they bring the problem to me. I, the guide on the side, offer up a solution to that problem, often a plan about how you can build spirit-driven success in this area, right? And then they're able to be challenged to go on this journey and to transform relationships, transform, businesses transform, self-leadership transform. They literally feel like they become a new person. And this process is insane and so, so cool. But it's coming from courage and pouring courage into somebody, seeing the gold in them, giving them the vision so they can activate the boldness to take these steps of faith and to experience as the promises of God manifest in their life. There's nothing like it, okay? So the ministry of exhortation is greatly needed in the world today. And you will never exhort anyone with your words if you've not first had kind thoughts about that individual. 
okay? Remember that whatever is working in your heart will come out of your mouth. (laughs) Do some love thinking then on purpose, right? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, okay? So if you are not meditating on whatsoever is pure, lovely, noble, praiseworthy about a person, you are not going to be saying those things about that person and you are not going to be seeing them the way God does, okay? So we might not all have the gift of exhortation, but anyone can learn to be encouraging, Okay, simple rule is this. If it's not good, then don't think it or say it, period. Do not get in the habit of doing that or surrounding yourself with people or cultures that are okay being messy. Don't do it, right? We all, (laughs) we all have enough problems already and we don't need to add trouble to our life or even give room for the enemy by trying to tear other people down. We should build one another up in love. That's what we're instructed to do in Ephesians 4.29. In love always believes the best out of everyone. 1 Corinthians 13.7 says that. So as you begin to think lovely thoughts about people, you will find them behaving in a more lovely manner. Imagine that. Because thoughts and words are containers or weapons for carrying creative or destructive power. They can be used against the enemy and his works, or they can actually help him in his plan of destruction. So that's why it's really important to have this soul awareness that we're talking about. So you can see who you're partnering with here. Are you partnering with God or are you partnering with the enemy to bring about destruction? Okay. So for example... Let's say you have a child who has some behavior problems and definitely needs to change. You pray for him and ask God to work in his life, making whatever changes are necessary. Now, what do you do with your thoughts and words concerning him during the waiting period? Great question, right? Many people never see the answer to their prayers because they negate what they've asked for with their own thoughts and words before God ever gets a chance to work on their behalf. So do you pray for your child to change and then entertain all kinds of negative thoughts about him? Or do you pray for change and then say to others that this kid's never going to change, right? A lot of times that's what happens. So to live in victory, you must begin by lining up your thoughts with God's word. We are not walking in the word if our thoughts are opposite of what it says. We're not aligned. God's vibes matter. Align, (laughs) right? We are not walking in the word if we are not thinking on and meditating on the word, okay? So I'm not suggesting that you get out of balance and refuse to acknowledge a problem that exists. But if your child has a behavior problem in school and a friend asks how he's doing, what should you do, right? You can say, well, we've not seen the breakthrough yet, but I believe God is working and change will soon come. So you can still keep a positive expectation. You can still acknowledge there's movement happening and it, it can get better, okay? Number five, develop a thankful mind. Psalm 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering and into his courts with praise. Be thankful and say to him, bless and affectionately praise his name. So a person flowing, vibing, if you will, aligned with the frequency of God, flowing in the mind of Christ will find his thoughts filled with praise and thanksgiving. And many doors, listen, many doors are open to the enemy through complaining, okay? Some people are physically ill, live weak, get constant headaches, have powerless lives due to this dis-ease, creating dis-ease in their soul called complaining. 
okay? Murmuring, complaining, gossiping that attacks the thoughts and conversations of people. So a powerful life, the life you're called to, cannot be lived without thanksgiving. And the Bible instructs us over and over in the principle of thanksgiving. Complaining in thought or word is a death principle. But being thankful and saying so, declaring so, is a life principle. Okay? So if a person does not have a thankful heart, mind, mind, heart, mind, right? Whenever we're exposed to a sermon, for example, the seeds of that sermon get sowed into our heart, into our mind, okay? But if you don't have a thankful heart, thanksgiving will not come out of your mouth. When we are thankful, we will say so. Hebrews 13 says it this way, Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, because it's not always easy, which is the fruit of the lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess the glory of his name. I don't have to feel thankful to activate praise and thanksgiving to remind myself to be thankful in all things. Not for all things, but in all things, okay? Be a grateful person, one filled with gratitude, not only toward God, but toward people. When someone does something nice for you, let them know that you appreciate it. Don't act entitled and just think that that's just given, right? Show appreciation in your family among the various members of your family. So often we take for granted the things that God has actually blessed us with. A sure way to lose something Listen, a sure way to lose something is to not appreciate it and start taking it for granted. Someday, we'll see. I'll think about it, right? Don't put off today what you can do today. Don't put it off to tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow, okay? So think about that. It really, really is important to express your gratitude and appreciation. It's not only good for the other person, but it's also good for you because it releases joy in you. Meditate daily on all the things you have to be thankful for. Rehearse them to the Lord in prayer. And as you do, you will find your heart filling up with life and light. Okay? So, so powerful. Number six, be word-minded. Okay? John 5, 38 says, And have you not his word, his thought, living in your hearts because you do not believe and adhere to and trust in and rely on him who he sent. That is why you do not keep his message living in you because you do not believe in the messenger. Yikes, (laughs) right? God's word is his thoughts written down on paper for our study and careful consideration. His word is how he thinks about every situation and subject. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so confused. Get his word in you. Stop saying you don't know. You have access to his wisdom, his good orderly direction, his guidance, his sound counsel. Access it. Pursue it as if it's your vital necessity because it is, right? Meditating on the word of God is one of the most important principles that we can learn. So, so important. It means to care for, to attend to, to practice, to be diligent in, to ponder, to imagine, to premeditate. Okay? We're not going to do that if we're not filling ourselves with the word of God and reading it every day. Okay? And we will never put the word into practice if we don't first put it to practice in our mind and think it over. Okay? So, so important. Meditating is pondering and thinking about the word of God in our minds. 
and that actually does affect our physical body, okay? It's interesting, but you can always tell when somebody has been spending time with God. You can absolutely tell, okay? So the reminder today is to start developing soul awareness, not just self-awareness, but soul awareness. And it's deciding to choose life, deciding to align with the frequency of God in all things, the mind of Christ, the emotions, the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, producing the fruit of the spirit in your life, using the will that God has given you under the direction of the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the spirit in your life. It's calling yourself to attention, okay? And it's watching over your thoughts that you can take them captive into the obedience of Christ. And the Holy Spirit, as you develop relationship with God, is quick to remind you when you're out of alignment, when you're beginning to drift in the wrong direction. And then when that happens, when there's a prompting, when Holy Spirit is getting your attention, the decision becomes yours of what you're going to do. Are you going to flow in the flesh or in the spirit? One leads to death and the other leads to life, but the choice is absolutely always yours. And so the more you develop soul awareness, the more you can also choose life, practice developing God in you, the hope of glory, so that you can increase your capacity to represent him well in the world. That is the invitation and the choice is yours. So I hope this message blessed you, that it gave you practical tools that you can integrate into how you show up and how you rise up and accelerate your limitless life, the abundant life that God has promised you. You claim it. You claim it. And when you claim it, you walk in it. Okay, so I've given you some powerful things to practice today. If you've not subscribed to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast, this is your gentle reminder and opportunity to do so. If you have any testimonies that you want to share, you can visit julianapage.com and send them over on the contact page. You can also get plugged into many great resources over there. So go visit julianapage.com. And until next time, stay blessed.